everyone, and welcome to Jess and the Guest. Today's episode's gonna be a good one. Today, Chris Kattan joins me. You know him from Saturday Night Live, A Night at the Roxbury, where he stars with Will Ferrell. The Groundlings, Corky Romano, there's a great new book out where he talks about all of his different Hollywood interactions and his career. It was fascinating. I had I learned so much about him. He dated Zoe Deschanel. I, did everyone know that? I didn't know that. He was one of the most surprising and interesting guests I've had on. We talk about everything from being at a dinner party with Tom Cruise and Tom wouldn't stop staring at him. Or from all of his famous characters, like one of my favorite sketches on SNL, the more cowbell sketch where he physically pushes Will Ferrell. He's one of the most fascinating, funniest, smartest guys I know, and this was one of the best episodes. Plus, he does a Lorne Michaels impression and talks about having a food fight with Destiny's Child and Beyonce. This is before Jay-Z, but come on, that's pretty insane, right? All right, I hope you like it. Yeah, I'm up in Washington <laughs> State. I live in LA, but I'm up here for my girlfriend's funeral. Or my girlfriend's, oh my my girlfriend's grandma, uh, grandfather's funeral. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I was like, oh my God. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it's a little different. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And yes, I, of course. I am going to try not geek out too much because I'm too improv and I'm part of the groundlings. So I'm like, oh. I have so many specific nerdy improv questions that I promised. Oh, but I loved your book so much. I can't even thank tell you. you how many times I read it. It. You're what I wish I could do. Like, like how did you do this? right oh thank you your characters That's are so weird. precise and smart and physical right. i'm like you you commit to a level that i've never seen anyone i don't know i'm so impressed i don't know how you do well, it. thank you that means a lot to you thank you thank you so your book i loved so much again I, it almost felt like a love letter to your father in like a really cool way how much did he influence like your writing for the book yeah without him i wouldn't have been as interested in comedy as I was, you know. Yeah. Um, I used to watch old movies with them all the time, you know, like old, uh, you know, everything from Chaplin to Keaton, Buster Keaton, and and then you know a lot of stuff in the '30s, like Marx Brothers, and then in the '40s and Bob Hope and Ben Crosby doing the road pictures, and also a lot of old time radio. I listened to a lot, a lot of old time radio with them, like Jack Benny and oh. you know Fred, Fred Allen and Tipper McGee and Molly and um Amos and Andy and all that you know great stuff from um from the 40s so a combination of old-time radio and old comedy films you know I used to watch with him he had a really good he had really good taste you know yeah uh in in um in movies and film and you know he was a big uh big fan of uh, comedy so uh but he uh also was uh, one of the uh uh founders of the Groundlings too yeah back in 75, I guess. So he and people like him and Gary Austin, who was a, the yeah. director and people like John Paragon and Paul Rubens, he created P.B. Herman and Christian yeah. Peterson created Elvira and then Phil Hartman and, you know, goes on and on. But he was there for the first few years. So I used to watch him perform as a kid. You know, I come watch yeah. him perform and see everybody improvise and come up with these characters out of nothing you know the creation yeah. of uh trying to make something out of nothing is uh, it's a hard thing to understand and the only way you could really understand it is by doing it you yeah. know I, I think my mom was very much about how can I she was very adamant about me being because I was very much I was an only child I did have a brother later but I was an only yeah. child and um I um 
I would grow, I, when I grew up, my mom, my parents separated when I was three and my mom was very much, and I grew up in a place called Mount Baldy. Yeah. Which is uh, not the best place for a child. Yeah. It's supposed to be around other children. Yeah. Usually, they say <laughs> psychologically, it's like, yeah, that you're supposed to be around other kids growing yeah. up, you know, so you know later, not just manners, but like how to speak really yeah. how to speak like a normal person, how to act like a normal person. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not, you can learn bad habits and pick up on the wrong things, yeah. uh, you know, um, and then think everything you see on television is the way that people should be, yeah. you know, or on radio or what people's version of how to be is how to be, you know, anyway, yeah. my point is that um, one of the things that she really wanted me was adamant about me learning was uh, how to make something out of nothing yeah and uh and when i watched my dad perform in the beginning of the groundlings that's what they did they created yeah. characters out of nothing yeah to become to become and create something that paul rubens did to create Pee Wee herman out of nothing is pretty, pretty amazing i mean <laughs> how does that happen it does happen there is somehow something between zero and then making something like Mike Myers creating Austin Powers, how did that happen? You know, yeah. I mean, what came from zero to that, you know? Yeah. When, and I got to see a lot of that process in the groundlings and my dad, you know? Yeah. My dad, yeah. I mean, he was amazing. You look just like him too. And I was looking at photos. Like, oh, God. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, thank you. What, when you're creating a character, do you start with physicality? Do you start with emotion? Do you start, or like, yeah, I just, how do you do it? Um, <clears throat> I, you know, it's, it's a combination of both physicality or emotion. I think uh, I was um, did a lot of physical characters, as you yeah. probably know, like the Roxbury guys or Mr. Peepers. So, so those were um, physical characters. I think Mr. Peepers was physical, but if you really, I, if you really think about it, uh, I, it really was coming from a place of angst and frustration. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, and so I think there was some anger in it a little bit, like a, you know, it's almost like, um, uh, like a, almost like an angry animal in a weird way. Yeah. I, but I didn't know that it was, you know. Yeah. I was thinking of it physically. It came from, um, it, it really the idea came from when you watched uh, any of those uh, late night talk shows like Fallon. <laughs> but back then, Johnny yeah. Carson would have Jack Hanna come on and bring an animal on. Oh yeah. And the animal would go crazy and it would urinate on the desk or. <laughs> Yeah. You know, in this case, dry hump Johnny Carson's face and yeah. a monkey would. I was like, that would be kind of funny to play yeah. something physical and start humping everything. And but um, so that was the visual thing I wanted to capture, but it came from an emotional place in yeah. order to be that character. Yeah. So it really is a combination of both. I think the physical thing is the uh, result that you want to capture, and the the emotion is how you get there. Yeah. Well, I couldn't put down your book. It was truly like one of the best books I've read. How did you pick which stories? Because you've lived like the most insane, really cool life. Like I'm like, what am I doing with my like how did you pick which stories would go in the book? And like the flow of the book I thought was great. Like, how did you decide? Um well that was me and uh this other guy Travis helped me write that uh, I think going back and forth and you know, from um one topic and then putting involving another uh, part of my life in that time was um 
was an interesting way to go about it as opposed to just chronologically, you know, from yeah. birth or whatever, being a child up to now. It was yeah. nice to go back and forth. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, just doing, you know, I, I didn't know what, how much to talk about SNL or the Groundlings or just my personal life and growing up, you know, because yeah. I think it was better to go back and forth a little bit so you see yes. that it, um, everything was kind of a, see what the influences are and yeah. uh, what made it impact my life, you know? Yeah. My friends who have written a book, they either say they, it was very therapeutic or they needed a lot of therapy after. <laughs> How was it right. like writing? Out? <laughs> yeah, it was very therapeutic. It definitely is. I mean, you get a lot off your chest and you find out, um, yeah, you find out a lot. It's very cathartic. It's very, yeah, it's very personal. Yeah. It really is. And afterwards you're like, should I have said that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no but you said it. It's too late now. I loved your acknowledgement section too. It's the only acknowledgement section in a book I've read. Like I was like, oh, this is great. So I saw you said something about karaoke with Jimmy Fallon. Did this please tell me this happened? Because what was, was it about karaoke? Yeah, with Jimmy. Something like thank you, like for the karaoke nights or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, we had some karaoke nights for sure. I just picture that um, being like the most fun, like both of you, I mean, both of you together are so great. So I'm just like, carry yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he's so, Jimmy's an amazing guy. His energy level and his uh, enthusiasm is what really drives him. You know, he's really, he's so appreciative of uh, the arts and performers and creators and all that stuff, you know? So he was just, it's so genuine, you know? That's what, why he's so successful, I think, is because it really is genuine. Yeah. And uh, you just love to live, you know, life's yeah. short and you love to live, you know, and that's, that's a real impact for people because not everybody feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people no, get really uh, downsided and, you know, get downtrodden or whatever you would say. But um, Jimmy has a wonderful way of life, way, way to look at it. I was so impressed too with SNL. You came in mid season and I might be getting this wrong, but you had a, a first sketch of the night, your first show. Is that? Yeah, for uh, yeah, it, it, that was uh, supposedly that's never happened before. I know. That's what I was told, uh, and I was a feature player, so I came on. Uh, you know, I came on the first season that Will and uh, Sherry and uh, yeah, David Peckner and uh, Molly was there already, and Norm McDonald and Spade were there, and I came in there. I came in six shows towards the end of the season. Yeah, and uh, that, like you said, it is an odd time to join the cast. Usually, yeah. you either start the beginning of the season or you start mid-season. But this was literally six shows before the end of the season, so that was uh, strange for the rest of the cast, and it's strange for me uh, because it was a weird time to start. And uh, but the pressure was on for me to prove myself. I think they yeah. literally gave me that short amount of time for me to prove myself, uh, and. Um, so the first sketch of that season or uh, that I ever showed was that uh, character called uh, Sewell Forrester, which was the gibberish guy. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, it was a substitute teacher and I did it at the Groundlings. So <laughs> when I submitted the sketch for read through, I already knew it by heart. I already knew the lines because yeah. I already had performed it in the Groundlings. So yeah. when I did it at the ta read through table, Nobody laughed except Sherry a little bit because <laughs> so nobody laughed at all. And um, I don't know if they were laughing, weren't laughing because they didn't think it was funny or what, but I think they were just like, who's this new guy? 
why should we give him a break? You know, it doesn't make sense to me, them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, which makes this, I completely understand that. It doesn't make sense. Um, and, um, but Lauren was very adamant about trying it out. So they picked the sketch to be in the show. They didn't say where it was going to be yet. Mm -hmm. uh, usually the strongest sketch out of the whole read through or the, of the, um, Rehe uh, dress rehearsal, which is yeah. the show that's before the live version of the live show that you watch on television. Um, you uh, you try out the sketches. The first sketch of the night is usually the strongest. Yeah, supposedly that's what it is. Cold opening is the most uh, most political or something that is really addressing what's going on, but it's already written as cold opening. And the strongest sketch would be the first sketch. You know that would be like where Wayne's World was was that yeah. when Wayne's World at that time was happening or Sprockets or or uh, Hans and Franz do you know whatever church lady you know that was yeah. the spot or Samurai or you know they would that's the first tonight would be the biggest sketch of uh and the most or Mary Catherine you know the reoccurring character yeah. so mine was like I think for dress rehearsal it was somewhere towards the end I think I think it was mm -hmm. after update weekend update which is really kind of the middle of the show and uh, it went great, you know? And I was like, nobody, I don't think no one really knew who, I mean, there's no way nobody knew, but no, nobody knew who I was, obviously, because there was six shows before the end of the season. So it did really well. And, you know, I was very comfortable doing it because I already knew it from yeah. the line by heart. So, and no, but the read through tape, um, the rewrites for that we didn't change anything. So that went in my favor. They added one joke yeah. and that joke, did okay and they ended up cutting before a live show anyway so when we did it address rehearsal went great so they ended up putting it as the first sketch of the night before oh we god. went live and it was like oh my god like that's a huge deal <laughs> yeah for me and the rest of the cast was like that's just it just went really well so lauren put it as the first sketch of the whole night you know so it still it still could have failed or done really well and it went great and yeah. um so that was very, I was very, very, um, you know, lucky that that happened and uh, grateful because that really helped me out for my, uh, you know, for the rest of my career on Saturday Night Live, you know, yeah. had it been, a, had it not gone well, uh, it wouldn't work for me, you know, it'd be much harder for me to get sketches in probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was the first sketch of the night. It was a John Goodman show. I forgot who the musical guest was, but yeah, so it went really well. So oh I was excited. God. All right, Jess and the guest listeners, as someone who is currently quarantining with their family, I've never needed therapy more in my life. I feel like everyone could use that. And luckily there's a place like betterhelp.com. Again, that's betterhelp.com. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and uh, Jess and the guest listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Jess and the guest. This will help you with everything. It puts you in touch with a licensed counselor within 48 hours, which dear God, we all need that <laughs> truly. So again, that's betterhelp.com slash Jess and the guest, and you'll get 10% off your first month. I rewatched it today. And I was like, there's no way you would, I would never have guessed it was your first time on the show. Like it was amazing. Like you were so comfortable, so natural. Like, I think I would have been freaking out. So I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't know why. Well, first of all, it was six shows before the end of the season. And I auditioned with Will and Sherry and Jennifer Coolidge also yeah. auditioned at the same time. And I did not get it. And I was really bummed out. And yeah. um, so I was like, God, I didn't get it. I, 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 I auditioned with my friends. And then, six, again, six shows before the end of the season, Will Ferrell called and said, hey, Lauren 
asked me to ask you if you wanted to join the cast. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, why? First of all, I was like, why are you asking me? And I know why, because we were like, you know, best friends at the time. And we had all this material that we did together. Yeah. And um, so it makes sense. So um, he, uh, so that's when I asked. So when he asked me, I was like, oh my God, that's great. It wasn't quite as exciting as I, as it would have been if I got it before, because I was so bummed out and, and uh, kind of heartbroken that I didn't get it amongst with my friends. Yeah. Uh, at that time so when I got in the show I was kind of like uh, I think there was no nervousness because I was kind of like uh, not as excited as I could have been yeah you know I kind of felt like uh, I don't know what the I don't, I don't know why that, that's why I mean that's really why I was so comfortable doing the sketch yeah a that I already did it before at the groundlings and they didn't let me change it to the uh, the uh, the ver- um, any of the dialogue and also be that you know I already uh it was just kind of like also there was not enough time uh like the others you know the, when you started a show in the beginning of the season you're there for like six weeks before the season so there's a lot of time to get in your head mm-hmm. to be nervous about it and all that <laughs> stuff so I had no time I got I got there Sunday and started Monday uh and then you know my sketch was in for the read through Wednesday and so there's no time to be in my head about stuff, you know, no time yeah. to be nervous or excited, really. <laughs> I just, you know, so it went in my favor for that, you know. Yeah, I think you kind of, well, you can't be married to it. You can't be married to everything that you're doing. You can't invest all your, uh, everything on your performance, you know, because you just never know. Yeah. So it's, it's not that you're giving, you give your performance 100%. But in your head, you don't put pressure on it. You don't make make it seem like if I don't do this right, everything will go terrible. You know, like this yeah. has to be amazing. You can't be that hard on yourself about it. Yeah. You know, you, you just can't, you know, life's too short. And you just got to be easy on yourself when you criticize yourself, you know, because some people yeah. will perform and you're so hard on yourself about, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done this. You just do it. You just yeah. do it, really. You do your homework, obviously, when you learn your lines and your blocking and, and all that stuff, but you just can't be married to it. You mm-hmm. give it 100%, but not be married to it. It's okay if it doesn't work out. Somehow yeah. you have to know that it's okay. Were there any guests that were really surprising? I think Horatio Sand said, like, Kelly Ripa, he didn't expect to be as good as she was. Like, was there anyone you were like, wow, they are actually very funny? <laughs> uh, that I work with or that I saw? Either one, yeah. <laughs> Either one. Yeah, let's see. I don't. Um, wow, there, there's so many good ones. Well, Jim Carrey was amazing the first time he did the show. Um, Tom Hanks was always great. Yeah. Um, I do remember a show that I was watching that was, I'll say one that I, a show that I watched recently. Yeah. Was Harry Styles. Yeah. He was so good. I mean, yeah. oh my God. That was, he was so relaxed and he was just having fun. I mean, that's what's so great about, that's the thing. I know it's such a cliche for a performer to be told, hey, just have fun with it. <laughs> you always hear that. Just have a good time. Just have fun with it. But it is. That's really, if you could really understand that direction, yeah, you really got it made. Because if you look at someone like Martin Short, he's silly. I mean, yeah. he's just genuinely having a good time on talk shows, doing character. He's just silly. Yeah. And he doesn't look like he's taking himself seriously at all. Yeah. He's just like in the moment being silly and playful. He's really having a good time, you know? 
Yeah. And uh, when I saw, say, um, Harry Styles, he looked like he was just having a good time. He didn't look like he was trying to have a good time. He yeah. looked like he was trying to be funny mm-hmm. or trying anything. He was just, he did his homework doing these characters. And, uh, but he didn't look like he was putting a lot of pressure on himself. Yeah. Just that. And it came across as he's a natural. Oh. He was just funny, you know? Yeah. So I was yeah. really impressed with him, honestly. That was one of the most yeah. impressive people that I, you would never think that, you know? Yeah. That was one of my favorite shows to watch too. I was like, yeah, oh, it's just so like, who okay. knew? You I never think that Harry Styles is that funny. I know. As a performer. Calculating how much money I've spent on improv. And I was like, damn it, why is he so good? I know. <laughs> why is Harry Styles so good at this? Yeah. He's from a boy band and now he's solo. What's this? This doesn't make any sense. I know. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I know. So Mango was one of my favorite characters. I used to watch, I mean, when I'm sad, I watch Mango. What was it like playing, like playing with J-Lo? It was like eight minutes long, I thought. I think I just the saw sketch? it. Yeah, yeah like it was the- long, I know. I, <laughs> when I didn't realize that, there, <laughs> I know. It was very nice of Lauren to let those sketches be so long. Cause they were like, and I always write like three or four different sets okay. or different scenes in the sketch as opposed yeah. to just having it one place, which is, I was at real, I don't think I realized that, you know, wait a second, these people have to build these sets. Yeah. <laughs> they look great though. Yeah. yeah. But it looked fun. You know, I guess it was kind of an epic, but uh, yeah. she was great to play with too. JLo was fantastic. Yeah, um, you guys were really physical. You're wrestling and same with Charlize Theron too. Like, oh, the- yeah, yeah. That was another person that was, I think, Charlize Theron. Yeah. Theron. Yeah. I know. Theron? I have no I idea. <laughs> she was great. She was fantastic. She was so good. I loved working with her and she yeah. was, she was so fearless. Oh my God. Like we did a Mr. People sketch and she was crazy fearless. Yeah. She was, um, there was a, it was a therapy. It was a sketch where Molly Chan was the therapist and uh, uh, Charlize Theron was um, uh, uh, the patient. And, and I guess the problem was about something she didn't how she couldn't find the sexual part of her in herself or get excited anymore. So she brought in me as Mr. Peepers. Yeah. And she put a blindfold on and we fed each other food, you know, bananas and milk and poured milk in her mouth and went all over the place. And then she like ripped her blindfold off and started dry humping me. And she pulled me by my wig and my, but she got so into it. She tore my, pulled my wig off. <laughs> She was out of control. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, and it's funny because we did that in dress rehearsal. And when we got notes afterwards, Lauren Michaels was like, you know, could we, you know, could we not go so far? Let's not, let's tame it down a little bit. Because yeah. she was like so involved in the character. I was like, oh my God, she's gonna kill me. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went live and she went even further. She really got into it even more. She was like, as if she said, like, whatever, Lauren, I'm just going to do it. And, yeah. Yeah. So she was a great performer. I always find that some of the uh, the actors, the, the really good actors are better as performers on SNL than comedians are sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that It's really odd, but it, it, it's true a lot of the time. It's, um, it's just all about being fearless, yeah. you know? I think that's really that, you know, because yeah. and, and not all, not everybody's genuinely funny too. You find yeah. out if someone's really funny or not, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's part of being relaxed and confident, and 
not really giving a hundred, well, not being invested in the character a hundred percent, you know? Yeah. Do you think you've always been fearless because like the way you were raised, like with Mount Baldy and like being an only child, because all of your characters to me are so fearless and funny. And that's what I struggle with. So I'm like, how do you do it? Right. <laughs> but, um, how, how was I fearless? You mean, yeah, like, were, you, were you always that way? Or like, did you, is that something you had to learn? Cause to me, it sounds like it's something you were always like, but yeah, I think I was always fearless. I wasn't very concerned about being careful yeah. and, uh, coming from a place of, uh, being, making sure everything is, <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it's just like, well, being on SNL, I mean, you're, you're, that's a place where you should be fearless, I think. And, and, and if you can be fearless, might as well be fearless here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have the characters to uh, be fearless with. Those are your excuses. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's you fearless as a person when you talk to someone normally or work with someone or you're in a relationship. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, having characters to be fearless with is the best excuse. Oh. Uh, to be fearless yeah so um that's that's why my fearlessness got to work and like will was always fear, fearless on the show yeah. uh physically as well you know yeah whenever I... he, he got a chance to wear underwear or <laughs> you know that was part of uh his fearlessness i think that's the best way to uh you know do a character or just perform in general yeah. It's One of my favorite cool. parts is in the cowbell sketch when you push him. It's just yeah. so funny. His reaction, like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> well, he asked me to be very, uh, he asked me to push him as hard as possible. So yeah, I did. <laughs> I think you're surprised. Like, wow, what the heck? <laughs> I had no idea you could push me so hard being such a small person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't break in that sketch. How did you not break in that sketch? Because I almost did. I was like, I might, uh, you know, a little bit of my mouth was kind of like, <laughs> I was breaking just slightly. I mean, Jimmy full on broke because he yeah. breaks a lot of sketches, but <laughs> yeah. Does ever you've done so many movies. I feel like you've worked with like every studio too. The more I was like, oh, this is Disney. This is Paramount. This is, did you prepare differently going from like sketch and improv than like how you prepare for characters in movies or films? Um. Or is it the same? I, I, uh, it's kind of the same, I think, preparation. But SNL is much more just using the atmosphere so much. You know, I think it's it's a. I guess it had to do with the camera and how it picks up your energy. I yeah. think because uh, you have a small, you only have so much room when you're doing a film or or television because uh, you're going. You have to perform for the camera really mm -hmm. but we're on snl the camera has to capture you so you could move wherever you want usually yeah. in a sketch um like snl um but if you're on um you know doing a film or television you uh, the uh you perform for the camera so it's the camera you think about for those things and again sketch comedy the camera follows you think about yourself yeah the camera follows you on sketch i think yeah. That's usually how it is. I mean, they do direct you for the camera on SNL, but you, you try to find that happy medium of like, well, I feel like my character would do this. And yeah. the camera go like, okay, we'll capture it over there. I think that's the difference. Yeah. Do people ask you to do the Night of the Roxbury head bob like every time they see you? 
Uh, it's not such every a- time, but yeah, a lot. People do like me. They do want me to do that for sure. Yeah, because it's such an iconic thing, but I feel like I would be really annoyed if someone just asked me to do this. <laughs> like, what are you, stop <laughs> Right, it can be, but you know, if it's a person that deserves it, I guess it's okay. Yeah, what was, what was it like to, I loved your, in Undercover Brother, your dance, that whole dance, like, what was that like? Was that a hard process to do a whole, like, dance sequence on? Um, no, that was fun. They let me do that. I think they said I danced in the script a little bit to it. Yeah. Oh no, I don't think you know what? I don't think they said that in the script. I think I asked for that. Real it was perfect. Like I just yeah. I remember asking if I could do that. And um, but before I did the role, um they offered it to me and and uh, it was an imagined film. So Brian Grazer and Ryan Howard were producers. And when I talked to Brian Grazer, I said, Can I do some rewrites of the character, you know, for myself? Is that okay? He says, Yeah, whatever you want to do, just make it your own. So that allowed me to be you know, do the best I can, or the ideas that I could think of, do it. And um, so I said, well, is it okay to do like a dance thing here? Is there a place in this this movie that I could do a little dance? And so that was, uh, they let me choose Mary J. Blige oh, as the okay. music. And um, so they were allowed, they let me dance. It was pretty quick, but I got a dance in there, so. It was great. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, thank you. If you're like me, you have no time for breakfast. Trust me, I get it. And finding something healthy can sometimes be really difficult. So use Magic Spoon. It's this great cereal. It is low carb, high protein, and Jess and the Guest listeners get 10% off. Again, that's 10% off. Use code Jess and the Guest at www.magicspoon.com. Do you, yeah. do you have a favorite character you've ever played? Can you, you played such iconic characters. Is there one that's like, or the easiest one to write or perform? Or Well, Goth Talk was probably one of the easier things to write. Um, but uh, I wrote that with another uh, writer by the name of Dennis McNichols. Oh, cool. And he, he's the head writer for Weekend Update right now, actually. Oh, nice. And um, he wanted to write it because God, he was gothic himself back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and it, he was goth back in down in Florida. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so the, the Sunshine made, State, <laughs> right? He made it. He made a. He made that uh, the the show, the goth talk show, uh, take place down in Florida as well, which is such a yeah, like you said, unlikely place for gothic people to be. Yeah. Um, and it was so uh, so that was great to have him know about those people, you know. Um, but that was a fun test to write. It was like, if you look at Wayne's World, you're usually just, uh, it's just that one sketch. Yeah, and the, sure. um, also, it's been built before. Mm-hmm. So they just pull it out whenever you want to write another one. So it's easy for everyone to um, make that happen. But I was just, um, yeah, I loved performing with Molly and Will was in that all the time that we had other people. But it was an easy sketch to write because it was already uh the vehicle, you know, it was the same character each time you saw it. It was me being Asriel Abyss, and uh, which was a character that looked like Robert Smith from The Cure. Yeah. And then Molly was Cersei Nightshade. And I love doing the voice, you know, just like this timid, like, I'm Asriel Abyss. I'm the Prince of Sorrow. And it was just so good. <laughs> okay. I always loved doing that character so much. It was an easy, fun character to do, you know. Um, that was one of my favorites, being Asriel Abyss. Yeah, I loved um the one at the gym. Uh, you guys were at the gym. It's like two overly affectionate people with um or made everything dirty with Sherry O'Terry. I forget the name yeah. of them, but they were oh that was so fun too to watch. And 
Yeah, yeah that was great. They're called the Zimmermans. Oh, yes. And, um, but we called the sex sex couple basically yeah. it was like it was uh it was a couple that had been married for seven years and that we play these um sex games or dirty dirty talk i guess to yeah. get, get each other revved up we would say stuff like you know you want me what do you want you want me to huh you want me to huh and then she goes yeah you i want you to huh you want me to, so it was a chemistry thing back and forth and they'd be like yeah i want you to find the right words right, yeah. right, right. and um so but that was like it was uh, that those characters worked because it was just the timing and the playfulness between Sherry O'Terry and I. And uh, she was in the Growlings and I was in the Growlings and Will was in the Growlings. So we all had, and Ma, no, not Molly wasn't there, but we all had that kind of um, training yeah. uh, to play with each other yeah. uh, in the sense of like performers and characters uh, having timing between each other. Yeah. And if you had that, I think that was the hardest thing to do for comedians to to do to work yeah. that well together yeah but if you could oh my god it was the best thing to uh do i mean it happened with spade and farley you know and yeah it happened with Aykroyd and belushi doing the blues brothers you know when you had that chemistry uh that's the best thing you could do if you find if you find in yourself a time that you perform with another performer and there's something you're doing that is so easy to do and makes other people laugh and go, God, you guys were great together. That's the best thing. If you could build upon that, you really have something. You can really find some gold in that. Yeah. yeah. And if you did that well on SNL the first time, Lauren was like, let's bring it back because that's really the hardest thing to do is for yeah. two people to do something really well together. It's a, it's a, I think it's something you learn early on, which mm -hmm. we did in the Growlings. So yeah. we learned it early somewhere else. And then when we got on SNL for, you know, on a prime not a primetime show but a network television show then we were able to um you know bring that magic back it's like we already have it we already know how to work that well with each other you know so we don't have to do i'm propping you up right here yeah. yeah. um okay so but we, if you have that then you know you have you have a lot of it you, that's great to have and lauren lauren's smart obviously he knows what what's so great in people you know and that's usually because you already knew it before when you got there yeah, you, you know, I feel like most SNL people have like a impression of Lauren. Do you have Do you have an impression of him? You don't have to do it now, but just do. You. Well, I'm not very good. My, you know, it's like no, I just uh, there's this like this story where he and his son Henry were looking at a star yeah. in the sky alone, and his son Henry goes, "Dad, look, a shooting star." And Lauren goes, "No, no, no, I know," <laughs> because that was yeah. one of the things he always says is, "No, no, no, I know," because um, that was like the tagline. And uh, of course, you know, Mike Myers does a great impression of him, as, yeah. you know, in, in Austin Powers, Dr. Evil. And uh, was that Dr. Evil? Yeah, that was I think thing, so. Right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone seemed to have done a great impression of, of Lauren. You know, everyone has their own version of Lauren. And it's funny, I think Lauren likes it. You think you would think yeah. he doesn't like it, but I never seen him like laugh at someone do it unless it was on the show i mean for him to accept dr evil yeah as an impression of him is pretty he's definitely got a sense of humor about it no question about it yeah and that's amazing to have a sense of humor about yourself yeah I mean, some people have no sense of humor about when you make fun of them yeah wait so in the book you casually mentioned um that you were on a plane with destiny's child what was beyonce what was yes it? i can't that even was, imagine uh, 
Well, yeah, we're on a plane from New York to Seattle. I was going to Seattle because my mom and stepdad uh, and brother live on a place called Bainbridge Island in the Puget Sound. Um, and um, so we were flying in route and they, they recognized me and I recognized them, of course. And I think it was a long flight and I think we got bored and they were one, on one side of the plane and I was on the other side and we were just throwing, you know, crackers at each other and... You know, it's surreal to think about it now that we're, you know, joking around with Beyonce. Yeah. And Destiny's Child, you know, because she's such an iconic woman now. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's such a huge, she's like Elvis today, basically. Yeah. Anyways, but um, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. That was fun. That was before Jay-Z, so it was safe, <laughs> to, it was safe to throw food at Beyonce. <laughs> I feel like but, you're the uh, only person who can say you did that too. Like, <laughs> probably, I, I think so. Not too many people would say they threw pretzels at each other with Beyonce. Beyonce and I threw pretzels at each other on a flight one time. She obviously has a sense of humor. I and mean, if you really, it's it's um, it's so it's just everyone is a human being. Everyone does yeah. the same thing as everyone else. Yeah. I mean, you're. I wouldn't suggest that if you see Beyonce throw pretzels <laughs> at her, but. Uh, <laughs> I think we had that report at the time. You yeah. know, I guess it was okay to throw pretzels at Beyonce. I wouldn't suggest it again. You know, if in concert, don't, if you go to see Beyonce perform, don't throw pretzels at her. That's probably not a good idea. I couldn't get over your Tom Cruise story too. Did he really not blink? No, he, I never saw him blink, you know? He just like, but he was so relaxed. He wasn't like that. He was just like, yeah, yeah he was just relaxed. And, you could know. never pull it off, yeah. <laughs> Oh, cool. no. So now you're doing stand-up. Was it a tough transition going from improv to stand-up? Um, yeah, it was. I because I didn't do stand-up in the beginning. Um, you know, it wasn't something I wanted to do at first, but I got into it and I really love it because you get to work interact with the people like a live audience, like you could with Sarah Live a little bit. You get to reach out to them. Um, but I realized that using using uh, the improv technique and stuff. I loved using that while I was doing, um, you know, performing for, for people doing stand-up. Yeah. It was really um, pretty cool to do that because uh, it's a great tool to have, you know. It's, you know, I, I enjoy, the best part of doing stand-up for me is interacting with people in the audience. Yeah. You know, that I love doing the most. I would love yeah. um, interacting uh, with them and improvising and doing talking with them, getting to know them a little bit. And uh, that was the best thing. Plus, when you improvise, you get to learn um, how to write. Or it's yeah. easier to write when you can improvise, you know, uh, especially when you think of dialogue for characters and people. Yeah. And stuff like that, you know. It's, um, it's a great asset to have. Yeah. But sometimes, a lot of the uh, stand-up shows I do, I end up improvising more than I do, you know, um, than, I, than, um, than my actual set you know yeah. which is interesting that's uh but i love doing it more often than my natural set obviously and the crowd loves it more if you talk to someone yeah and make it personable and stuff i think it's a big deal yeah they love that and how are you staying funny during this time because i feel like you're doing a great job and i'm struggling uh, <laughs> give me advice <laughs> how am i staying funny <laughs> uh i just try not to take it so seriously i think you know yeah there's nothing to do about it you know it really isn't anything you just you know there's a lot of time you need to there's a time to create stuff but it's hard to think of ideas too you know yeah but i try to stay funny because 
I mean, there's nothing else. You can't get downtrodden by all the uh, stuff going on. It's just, you know, I mean, it's easy to do that. It's easy to get depressed about it and yeah. frustrated with there's so much going on out there, you know, politically and, and just how we're being affected personally and our families. And there's so much going on that you have to have somehow you have to have a sense of humor about it. Yeah. It's really the best way to survive. The sense of humor is the best survival. Yeah. I think, you know, and everyone needs it. Everyone needs someone funny uh, to make them laugh and feel like it's okay. I remember, um, you know, when I would do stand up on the weekends, my agent, his name's Adam Genovesian at ICM, and he would say, you know, remember these people spend their hard, hard, they spend this money on their heart. They work all week and they spend their hard earned money to go out on the weekends and laugh because yeah. their lives are not full of laughs. You yeah. know, that's why they're coming to see you to laugh, yeah. you know, to have a good time, you know. And um, I forget that sometimes because yeah. uh, I'm not, you know, I don't spend my money to go out and laugh. I'm usually laughing a lot in just my general life, you know. Yeah. You got to have a sense of humor um, somehow. It's hard, but uh, somehow you have to do it. You have to somehow celebrate life instead of feel like it's a miserable thing. You know, it's hard to do, but, you know, somehow you got to laugh about it. I don't know yeah. how, <laughs> yeah. but you try to, you try to get rid of all the things that don't help you be, um, that aren't helping you stay funny or stay in a place of having a sense of humor you know yeah you know it's it's hard it could be very very hard yeah and last question yeah. i loved how much cameron diaz felt like almost took you under her wing with fame mm -hmm. and everything. what is like one thing that you learn most from her um that in the beginning um i think i remember her she's such a sweetheart I think Drew Barrymore is the same way. They have this really, this genuine kindness and 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 and, and place of being very kind of sweet that they don't realize that um, some people could take advantage of that when they're big, famous people, that big of a famous person. You know, I remember Cameron was walking on the street and uh, she, if somebody wanted a picture and an autograph, and then all of a sudden a swarm of people came around here. This is like right after something about Mary when she was huge. Yeah, and um, and she felt like she was obligated to sign everybody's thing. Yeah, or take a picture with everyone, and she wasn't. She's not obligated to do that. Yeah, but she chose to do it, and it was such a good thing of her to do. But you know, she didn't have to do it, and I always thought um, that it's it's a it's a, it's a good thing to keep that part of you going. You know, to be that nice person that you are. Yeah, because later some people don't stay that way yeah and then they start dismissing the people you know like oh you don't need this or you don't deserve that or leave me alone or you know that yeah. kind of stuff and that's when it gets kind of sad yeah that you weren't that person anymore you know yeah and, it's, yeah. and if you can hold on to that part of you then i think you got a lot going i think that's a great way to keep your head up you know yeah. you know and remain that good of a person because it's that part of you that knows how to be good that really makes you survive everything and to remain to be that person so everyone looks at you like you are a good person that you deserve that you really are i mean ultimately everyone's a good person i think yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I like to believe everyone is, is a good person. Yeah. Although I've had in my time, a lot of people take advantage of me because I thought that. Yeah. No. Nope. In I... relationships and stuff. But um, I like to believe that everyone is a good person. Some, you know, everyone is somehow. Yeah. There's a goodness in everyone. Even the most terrible person, I think there's a goodness in that person somewhere. Yeah. I like to believe, you know. Yeah. That's how I feel too. So I'm like, yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're so yeah, wise. Exactly. Will you write yeah. another book? I feel like I'm sure oh. it's really hard, but. I would like love to, it. You know, yeah, I think so. I'm going to, this year, you know, because we weren't really allowed to uh, do much, uh, yeah. but write some stuff, you know, and I came up with some ideas and they're going to, you know, hopefully happen this year. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot going on. So, but eventually I'd like to write another book, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I this, that I'm was just... a biography. So something about, I don't know, yeah. uh, probably the stuff about being funny or I don't know I'll think about it but yeah, yeah I love to do it I love writing it's very cathartic for me to do yeah. that I you know I've Rob Lowe could write what he wrote like four I, or five books <laughs> or something I don't know what he was writing about but yeah <laughs> one <laughs> book about that. West Wing or I don't know what it was <laughs> so about true. that that videotape of him and three girls who yeah. knows what it was written yeah, about yeah he can do it we got this <laughs> we can yeah, write exactly. it down. If Rob Lowe could talk about his time on, on Parks and Rec, I guess I could write a book. <laughs> oh, true. Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this. You're one of the most talented people I've ever seen. I'm oh, so indebted to you. you. Thank you for thank everything. You. You're incredible. I hope to meet you in person one day. In oh, yes, of course. Well, next time you come to the show, tell me you're there so I can okay. meet you. Yeah, that would be that, great. Yeah, that would be amazing. Thank you so okay, much for okay. everything. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. All thank right. you, Chris. Have, Have a beautiful day. day. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Jess and the Guest, Chris Catan. I mean, come on, can you get any better than that? Hanging out with Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, he's the best. I hope you learned a lot from this episode, mostly that you shouldn't throw food at Beyonce. You know, who knew? All right, thank you so much. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, watch on YouTube, you know the drill.